Hey guys, this is Jay here from Gym Aware. Really hope you're enjoying Coach Tomato's podcast series so far. Here at Gym Aware, we've just released our brand new BBT product, Flex. Um, so I just want to give you a bit of insight into what it is and how it could help you as a coach or athlete. Flex uses brand new laser optic technology to measure barbell velocity, so like Gym Aware, it's highly accurate. The device connects straight to your iPhone or iPad. We've had an independent validation study to confirm that Flex is highly accurate. We have loads of awesome features already and our experienced development team continues to work on software updates each and every day. Key performance metrics are available including both peak and mean velocity, peak and mean power, distance, bar position and bar path. If you guys want any more information on flex, velocity based training, just be sure to reach out, go to our website, check us out on socials as well. But for now we hope you enjoy the rest of Coach DeMeo's podcast. The world of strength and conditioning is filled with some fantastic practitioners that are always searching for more. But more what? What are strength and conditioning coaches searching for to better their ability to prepare their athletes? Well, what about cutting edge information? Or a place where you can find different opinions from forward thinking coaches on what you're doing, how you're doing, and try to get feedback to be better for your athletes? Or what about a place where you'll find like-minded coaches that can provide solid coaching advice and career development for you as you progress through your career as a strength and conditioning professional? Well, this is exactly why we built the Strength Coach Network. You'll have access to exclusive monthly content on top of the sensationally active forum that we have where you can communicate with coaches all over the world to find those answers that you're looking for to help you be a better practitioner for your athletes. So make sure you hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS, that's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS, and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the 78th episode of Outside the Rack, brought to you by Kinetic Performance, the makers of Gym Aware. In this show, we're just going to try to dive a little deeper into the minds of the top practitioners in the world of sport performance to learn a little bit more about who they actually are and how they got to where they are today. Today, we are joined by Vanderbilt University's baseball strength and conditioning coach, Chris Ham. Chris, nice to be on this today, bud. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man. Fired up to get this down. You know, it's always great to chop it up. But before we get too far into this, buddy, who is Chris? Uh, who am I? Um, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a dog lover. Uh, let's see. I'm a wannabe grill master. I'm a former JUCO baseball player. If you go on, if you go on Twitter, you'll find enough about JUCO bandits. Um, and actually, I went to JUCO not too far from where you went to undergrad or grad school, I believe. I think uh, we can get into that later. But uh, uh, let's see. Um, a do-it-yourselfer. I'm a fake sneakerhead. I love nice shoes, but I can't afford those fancy ones that the kids wear nowadays nor would I actually wear them. Um, and, and let's see, a former triathlete. I've kind of given up on that these days. But uh, uh, outside of that, like another another random thing, like that kind of shapes who I am, I guess that we can start this conversation. I've had a job since I was eight years old. Okay, so I lived in, I lived in small town USA, all right? I mean, my, my hometown had like 1,500 people in it. So as soon as they let me have a paper out, the lady hired me. I've had a job since I was eight. So that's led from anything I've done in the in, in small town USA to I used to 
I used to be a property manager when I was at the University of Illinois. So when I was there, I actually carried, this is, this is bad, but I actually carried around a pager. So when something happened, like in the apartments, these people would call me at all hours of the night and I'd help take care of toilets, refrigerators, like things of that nature. So uh, yeah, that, and I was, I was actually the savior to a lot of sorority girls a lot of times. So well, not only we had these apartments, but we also managed some houses in the area and a group of sorority girls or fraternity guys, would they, they would all be in one house. So they would all try to get ready at once. They would blow the circuit breakers. And I was a savior when uh, come back, flip the switch, they got power again, they can do their hair and they go out for the night. So uh, yeah, that, that's me, man. Uh, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Um, but, uh, that's, that's everything outside of being a practitioner. I, yeah, I was, I was an athletic trainer. I'm, I'm, I'm current strength and conditioning coach here, but that's, let's, let's move beyond the professional life here. Yeah, dude. I think that's funny. I worked at a, a apartment complex too, through college. I was, a as soon as you could work at the state of New York, I think it was 15. I started working at the deli and then I picked up a second job when I was in college doing like maintenance work, like just stupid grunt work, like weeding, painting, ripping carpets yeah. at a, at an apartment complex. And it's like, it's crazy how like a job like that can like help you with so much other stuff later. No doubt. No, I mean, we, um, we, we had that, we had this time of year called, I mean, you did the apartment thing too. Like, well, in, in a university town, like, <clears throat> there was like this two week time frame where we call it turnover. The leases ended for one group, and then the next group would come in, and you had like, you had like a window of like three or four days to get these apartments ready for the next group. So we'd come in and make these mask cleanings and paintings, and I managed the I managed a small crew. Like that's how that's, I mean, I guess that's how I got started with managing people. Like so, like these kids would show up late, they wouldn't show up to help out and things like that. But that job <clears throat> was awesome. Like, so even before that, I worked construction, like, and I had the FedEx job in undergrad too. So I, I was, I was the guy throwing, throwing boxes in the back of a FedEx truck at, at midnight uh, in Champaign. So <laughs> there's, there's some good ones there. There's not a day that I didn't want to quit that job, but Going back to the property manager thing, that just like helped shape like how I manage people and how I communicate with kids and communicate with upper management about what's what's going on. So I mean that's that's you're right. Like those those things like that just kind of help shape how I operate now. Yeah, man. And speaking about how you operate right now, as someone who has been through a lot of those different kind of hoops when it comes to like life jobs and then looking at it as a big kind of flip in professions. I'm excited to hear this. If you wouldn't mind, describe a learning situation that brought about an epiphany in your career. Um, what I'll talk about is like, this, 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 I, I could get in trouble for this. This is a moral and ethical like discussion here. So in undergrad, I mean, this was, I mean, we'll, we'll date ourselves here a little bit, Jay, but I mean, I was taking undergrad classes 20 years ago and athletic training, like we're heavy on modality. It was ice and stem. It was the ultrasound machine. It was, it, but it wasn't, I ran, I, Randy Ballard at Illinois, like didn't do as much of that stuff back then. And he did a lot more movement and manual therapy that kind of helped shape who I was as a, as an athletic trainer. But 
back to the modalities thing, when I helped out with football, like as a student, like you did a lot of that, like you helped manage the, manage those treatments. I got into grad school and it, like the modalities that I got so frustrated with them, I, they, they didn't get the results I wanted out of them. I wasn't doing enough movement therapy and things of that nature. So I finally just hit the button. I'm like, no, like there has got to be certain parameters that I'm going to have to meet in order to like use these modalities. So I actually like put ice and stem and ultrasound on the, on the, on the shelf for a long time, long time. Like there was some deep discussions with my coaching staff about using, using it for recovery and stuff like that. And like, no, I, I can do, I can do X, Y, and Z to help this guy out versus 15 minutes on, on STEM machine. Like there's, there's a better way to do this. Fast forward a few years. Um, I had a pitcher come in and he was probably a sophomore. Like he was, he was under the same, like, ideas that I had, like didn't really, we didn't do much, many modalities his freshman year, but his sophomore year, he was like really adamant. Hey man, um, we did ultrasound in high school on my elbow and it felt great. Awesome. Unbelievable. Every time I did it, I just, I just feel amazing before I pitch. All right, man. Like, I think we have better options here. I think we can do this, this, and this, like, let's have, he just, he was persistent. He was very professional about it. I'm like, all right, I'll do it for you. So I did the ultrasound, but not really. Uh, I put a little Flexol. I put the ultrasound gel on there. I put a towel over the ultrasound unit, turned the timer on. I never actually turned the ultrasound head on. I just did it, did five minutes, timer goes off. Kid gets up and he goes, Holy smokes, I feel amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm like, okay. All right. And we did this for, I mean, we probably did it like once a week, once a week for like five, six weeks. I didn't tell the kid for like years later. Um, but like the epiphany for me was the buy-in that somebody has for something and the impact that that has going forward. Does that make sense? Like the mentality of like, this is helping me out, even though there's not much going on, like, but like he's in his mind, he has sold that this is the key that helps me perform. And as a, as a coach, and that, that helped me later on as a coach, like moving on, that was probably the most difficult thing coming into this, coming into this position as a performance coach. Like, like I was so like, like science oriented, I had to be like, there had to be a reason for everything and come to realize that these kids, these kids wanted things to get them to buy in, to buy into those reasons that I was doing certain things. So uh, yeah, like I said, that brings up a moral and ethical thing. Was I doing things, uh, doing things right when it comes to treatment? Ultimately I was doing no harm to the kid, but uh, mentally and emotionally, the kid felt stronger after that five minute uh, therapy session uh, and, and, it, and it worked for him. So, and he ended up playing, playing okay. But that just made me, that just made me reconsider the modalities and, and everything like that. And like what I needed to do to help define the reasons why I do certain things. A, a long-winded answer for, for, for my, my epiphany there. But. Hey, the greatest training effect may actually be the placebo effect, man. I mean, 
you, 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 it has to be in the back of your mind. <laughs> I mean, there's, I, I mean, we have, we have like long training sessions in the fall, like, and like, and in the back of my mind, like you can take the data, you can take how many sprints or accelerations they did during a practice or a training session. And you, you know, in the back of your mind, like, man, that's a lot. But then you have three or four kids and hey, what can I do in the weight room tomorrow? Well, here's what we, here's what we can do. And like, all right, I'll, I'll feed this for you. Like we can, we can put a program here together. That's not going to one, put you in a bad position and, and help you mentally get ready for the next week, week ahead. No doubt, man. I, I, I dig that. I think that that's something that a lot of people, especially when we're younger, really bang our head against the wall about, right? Is it's like, we think that it's our job to make them buy into the program when in reality if you just give them the one thing that they are air quotes sure works they'll do everything else mm -hmm. so if it is man my knee feels better when i do these bosu ball reaches like you're out two minutes like yep that's the sword you want to lie on like no to that or I feel better doing this bench versus the other like I don't know maybe it's just because I'm old and I just don't have the temper for it anymore and I just like let it go but yeah dude I'm I'm with you 100% there there and I you you walk you walk into our weight room as organized chaos and there's there's part of the reason for that. Those those are conversations that I've had with these kids. All right, you're you're here for a reason. You've you've had success, and you're here at Vanderbilt Baseball for a reason. You're you're skilled. Okay, is there something that you did in your training in the past that that is a must? Like I have a pitcher that has a teammate, and it makes me cringe every time he does it. Grab his grab his wrist. And basically tried to pull them behind his back and above his head. Like it's as an athletic trainer, you're going, absolutely not. Like, no way. Like, don't do this. But he's done it his whole life. It, it's a it's a mental check mark for him going, yep, did that. Good to go. And it's like it's a it's an assessment for him too. Like, mm, that was a little tight today. I might have to do this, this, and this before I before I get on the mound. So yeah, that's that's why you'll see the chaos because there's all there's there's always this little piece of something that like, yeah, I got their attention. All right, ooh, he's listening to me. Like he he knows that I need to do this particular single leg exercise versus this. I mean, as long as it's like not this complete outlier of a thing that like completely disrupts a training session for everybody. Like when I have when I have 10 guys, like yeah, let's have a discussion. I mean, that's that's what I'm here for. No doubt, man, no doubt. But in order to get to that position, you've had to be someone who's been willing to ask a lot of questions and to dig a little deeper. So this is actually, I'm, I'm fired up to hear what you got here, bud. If you could ask one question and you know you're going to get the answer, Chris, what would that be and why? Jay, man, I wanted to go like, like philosophical on this. You want to bring it, you want to bring it back to training. Like uh, that, uh, so... I mean, and the, I, I wish I had like this, the genie in the bottle thing here. Okay. Like, can I, can I rub the bottle and, and ask for three of them maybe? Um, 
ultimately for me, <clears throat> the one question that I would love to know the answer for, and this is more like personal and life and things like that, like uh, how, how I'm, I'm going to be perceived as a dad. All right. And like when I'm long gone, how are my kids going to talk to me? How are my kids going to talk to me? Like how are my kids going to talk about me? Like things of that nature. Like that's where like that's where my mind that's where my mind goes initially with that with that question. Um, now, if you go to if you go to training and stuff like that. I, I, I don't I don't have one. I, I, I can't answer that like assuredly like I've, I've rephrased the. The question that I always ask as an athletic trainer, like, do you feel this in your hamstring or do you feel this in your shoulder? Do you feel like I've rephrased that and gone, where do you feel that? And I know I'm going to get, I, I know as an athletic trainer and as a, as a clinician in the weight room that I'm going to get an answer that's going to steer me in the direction where I either need to make a different cue or like, I need to change your exercise. Um, so like that, that's probably my, my training side of that, the, the question that, that you want to get out of me. But I want to go back to like the philosophical thing. Like you have conversations with all these bright minds like in this, like, and I, I, I kind of listen, I kind of went back and listened to a few of these and like some of them go training, some of them go different routes, but like me being from a small town and like, have you read the book uh, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell? Yep. Like the ten, the ten thousand hours. Like, like, like what, what ifs? Like the exposures that I had as a kid, and the exposures that the Canadian hockey players have at a, at a young age. Like it's it, it's completely different. Or, or Bill Gates. Like Bill Gates went to high school with one of the first computers in in the country. Like so, like his exposure to that, and like. I know you watch probably if you watch Queen's Gambit, like the, the exposures that the lady had with chess and how that shaped your mind and like the chunking, the learning and, and things of that nature. Like, I'm just curious, like, like what if like I was exposed to different things? Like where would my where would my path lead me? Like is that is that is that an honest like question? Like I mean, yeah, I know it's, it's almost it's almost like the butterfly effect, right? Like if you were to go back and and like uh, if yeah. you were to go back and choose your own adventure book, right, and go to page forty six instead of page fifty two, what would have happened at the end? Right. That's those are those are like things like me, like what shapes like, and I might and when going back to the father thing, like, am I exposing my kids to the things that they need to be exposed to? Like you always see these like kids in skateboards when they're like three, like. What if I miss the window of time? My daughter's like the greatest piano player ever, and I never sat her in front of a keyboard. Like, like I, I, I go down that rabbit hole a lot. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, but like, like I, I just want to be uh, as a dad. I want to offer like, I just want to offer the opportunities to her to like let her choose that route or choose her own story or, or like maybe I mean, opportunities that that I never had. I've been here with snack time. No, I got you. And I think that like, I think that second part of the question is very interesting because I think that that's 
almost just basic human nature, right? To sit here and, and, and every now and then kind of just look back and say, what if? And I don't think people necessarily do it in a negative fashion, no. right? Like, I think that there's almost like that self-reflection can be a positive learning experience if you're able to take a step back. Yeah, to be honest, so like uh, for me with that, right? Like, um, it's funny we're, we're talking about this now, but like I've been posting a lot of stuff recently more about investing, things like that, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you're in your 40s, all of a sudden you realize you're like, wow, I've worked a lot and I don't got much. Um, and it's like, maybe all these young coaches need to listen and, you know, maxing out your 401k or your 403b or whatever your pension or whatever the school provides you or the business you work for provides you, that's not enough, right? Like there's other things you need to keep in mind. And, you know, obviously Instagram and Snapchat, if people are on that, I, I don't understand that part, but you know, like they make people think that like the fake it till you make it is the way to do it. And, you know, I think a lot of us got caught up with that. You know, a lot of us 80s kids, you know, or 70s babies and 80s kids and, you know, 90s teenagers got caught up in that. And being, if there was something you could turn around and look back at, it's like understanding that for the young coaches listening, understanding that when some of us older heads talk about things like this, it's not us saying, do, 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 do. It's us saying, yo, we messed up. And you can do better for everyone in the future if you look at some of these things. Like, dude, when I was 25, if you would have talked to me about like S&P 500 index funds, I would have looked at you and been like, bro, you might as well speak Mandarin. Like, what are you talking about, right? Like, <laughs> right. but now it's like, dude, if you're putting at 20 something, putting a couple hundred bucks a month into an S&P 500 index fund that typically is gonna get you 10% return, now, all of a sudden, these kids, when they're 50 years old, are going to have a freaking huge egg chilling for them, whereas the rest of us are still going to have to coach till we're 65. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine how awful I'm going to have to look if I'm coaching another 25 years, but it's like, I'm already decrepit. I mean, shoot, <laughs> but like, what's going to happen, you know? And I think that these kids look at us and they're like, shut up, old man, in a way. Instead no, and, of being like, well, maybe we should listen because he messed up. Uh, and and it's not, I'm not even talking about the self-reflection in a in a negative capacity. Like, it's, like it, it makes you reconsider those things that we were talking that you were just talking about. Oh, yeah, like maybe I can help. Maybe I can help one of my guys out, like, and make him understand, like, oh, like, and just. I mean, I know, I know, our guys have advisors and stuff like that, but have conversations about the budget man like, hey you got your per diem what are you going to do with that this week well I, the new the new xbox games out okay like 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 just like try to reframe them like okay you ever think you ever think what you do if you hang on to that or or something like just start a conversation like that because like like that's one thing that we're getting better at with within our organization here is teaching those life skills like trying to have conversations with that i know we, we as performance coaches we try to talk sleep and nutrition and, and things of that nature but like things outside of things outside of the sport things outside of like i mean yeah we always we always want to talk about like well-being and things of that nature but like 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 
those conversations to make them think outside of baseball. That's that's one thing I try to do more often oh is have have conversations with these guys not related to baseball. Uh, and and that and going back to what I said earlier, like having those conversations allow those guys to be a little bit more open with me and and willing to have discussions about training or my my personal thoughts about performance and, and things of that nature. But I mean that goes back to relationships like we'll talk about earlier. No doubt. And I think that what's really been cool with all of those things with and I think that too this is kind of unique, Chris, for us. And this isn't to kind of talk down about other schools' kids or anything, but like we have like more academic institution type kids. You know, Bandy and Richmond. It's more more higher academics, I guess you would say. Uh, but like these kids sit here like when we're on a bus or whatever and they see like Oh, he's reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. What's that? He's reading Richest Man in Babylon. What's that? He's reading Psychology of Money. What's that? It's like, then all of a sudden, like, hey, can I, uh, can I take a look? And then that gets into better conversations. And it's, you yep. know, I mean, shoot, like these kids now are even, like they're sitting here telling me like all this Why stuff that's going on with this Robin Hood fraud and, and all the, this. And it's the like- The GMC, the GME and the AMC. And yeah, and yeah, now it's here. like- whatever what's it deutsch coin or whatever and it's like, and like <laughs> i got i got one of my one of my uh, our player development guys big into that so he's been going he's oh. been going but like like even like the business side of uh, sneakers like i talked about earlier like i want to be like i want to be a sneakerhead but like at first like my my young mind goes and you just pay how much for those and he, I, he'll tell me and be like and but in the back of in the back of the back end of the conversation, go, but guess what? I can sell these for twice as much in like three months. So like, yeah, like I'm looking at the sneakers going, man, you just blew your per diem. But like the fact that the kid has a conversation, like in the back of his mind going, I can make money off these. Like, like the business side of his mind's going like, oh, there's a, there's an aftermarket for these shoes that I'm wearing right now. If I keep them nice and clean, I can post these on the internet and be like, make some good money off of it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people that are playing chess when we think they're playing checkers with a lot of that stuff. No kidding. <laughs> wow. Look, I've got a couple guys too that are like that, that they'll like, they're, I mean, they're super sneaker heads and it's like, they've got stuff and they'll be like, yeah, I might wear these for a game or two and then hang them up, make them sure they'll look good. I'll hold on to them for another three months and they'll be worth three times as much. Exactly. So at least at least they have that that side of it. So I mean that yeah. that goes that goes back to a little bit of what we were talking about. Totally, man. Well, listen, dude, with the with all of that going on and all the craziness of the world we live in, this especially now going into baseball season, this will be hard, but when you get the chance, like what's Chris's escape? Uh, okay, now I thought about this, and I personally believe that like meditation is awesome. All right, and as a father of two, uh, pardon my language, batshit crazy kids, um, like I, I'm not afforded the time to like have that 45 minute meditation session that like you you see these people that the CEOs of companies that start out their day and things like that. Great. Good for them. That's awesome. If you get afforded that time to self-reflect and do things of that nature, good, do it. Awesome. But I don't like, so I think personally, this is my own belief here. 
that we all meditate in our own way. Okay, we, we talk about, uh, and in baseball, we talk about the breath, we talk about the exhale, we talk about being where your feet are uh, currently. Like, so like when you sit at your desk and you have that moment where nobody's in the weight room, I got, I got automatic lights here and the lights have gone out. And like, there's a moment I just close my eyes and I take a deep breath. Like that's like, the, that's like an instantaneous, like a reset. Okay. Like that's how I think. So like, I think about, I think about this, like in the moment. All right. Like, how do I escape one being present, your, your breath being where your feet are at. All right. And then, then two, that, 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 in the moment that's kind of a daily thing i think we all meditate in our own ways all right uh weekly as as odd as you might think this is jay and i mean i don't know i got good lighting here like i get a haircut every week uh that's just that just a time for me to be like all right this is this is me like the the lady that's cut my hair for like two years like she knows what i want to talk and like she'll be times that i'll just sit in the chair and like we don't say anything so like I mean, that's, that's a weekly thing. And like a monthly, um, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't take trips monthly, but we have the baseball thing and stuff like that. So uh, I personally, I try to stay up on, on I, I try to read something that's absolutely not even remotely close to performance. Like, is it, is it a book about bourbon? Is it a thriller book or like is it a Stephen King novel or something of that nature just something that I like that that's my that's my time to be like uh, this isn't baseball this isn't performance related this isn't like how do I become a better human or anything like that like something just completely off topic and then like and then yearly like as, as we get back like there's one place that that my wife and I have gone for, for years now and we don't fit in at all. We, we always go to Asheville, North Carolina. And it's a place that when we first got there, we sat down at Tupelo Honey. It's an awesome breakfast place there, phenomenal food. And the lady asked us what we were gonna do that day. And I was like, oh, we'll probably check in, you know, shower, do what that. And she looks at me and she goes, why are you gonna shower? There's nobody showers in Nashville. Like it was completely like I was like blown away like and then you go like across the street there's belly dancers in the, in the square and like stuff like that like like that's not me like I don't fit in in Asheville whatsoever like when we started going there so like to go to Asheville and like put my phone away go in the mountains hang out with my wife like that's like our that's like our true reset like even even now like when we get the opportunity to do that like that's that's our true that's our true escape there just because like like jay like the, the my eyes like were enormous when this lady told me that we didn't like nobody showers like so but like just i don't fit in there and everything like that so it's amazing just to walk around and experience that there's nothing remotely close to what i'm used to Asheville is definitely on the list of beercation towns like that's uh <laughs> And, and yo, people sleep on Nashville too, man. Like Bearded Iris, like there's some some great ones out there. But like Asheville, yeah. Asheville's like the, the hippie. People now, I think, 
in the beer snob community, which I'm kind of turning my back on doing 75 hard a second time, like they kind of turn their nose up because we, uh, Wicked Weed sold out to Anheuser-Busch. Um, but I've, I've heard that like that town is just like, it might actually be like people like refer to it kind of like as like the next Austin almost. I've, I've heard that. I've heard that lately, but you're right. Like that was, I mean, we, 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 we were going there before we could. So like, that was our, that was our lure to Asheville. Like there was all these breweries. We were going to walk around outdoor scenery and stuff like that. And there's uh, a, a, no, like you're talking about wicked weed, like green man, green man brewery is out of Asheville. And it originally started out as about the size of my office right here. You walk in and it was a hole. And now it's like this massive, like, they call it the Green Mansion. And just watching that place like kind of explode, like the years that we've, we've gone there. Uh, but still, it's something that it's something that we enjoy every time we go. That's all. Like, so when we go to Brooklyn, my sports med guy and I, like we always go out to other half. And it was the same. So other half, like people say now it's the best brewery in the country. Like best, like what do they call them? Micro brewers or whatever. Craft brewers, whatever. <laughs> like they all have cool names. Just like strength coaches. We all have these different names we call ourselves. But dude, it was in this like decrepit building in Brooklyn where we would walk to and turn the corner and you're like, we're getting jumped. Like, it's not like, <laughs> are we going to get jumped? It's like, there's no question mark. It's a period. They would have like you would see the gas vials that they would like turn like to check it like it looked like at any moment there were two cats that lived in the building like at any moment the thing was just gonna fall down on top of you but it was like the best product i've ever had yeah and we go back there now and it's just like it's expanded and they're like distributing all over the country and it's like these guys are doing it all themselves they haven't had like all this like they haven't been bought out yet and they're still making like top shelf stuff and it's like stuff. yeah we have one here that never started as well we have one that started pretty small and grew and they are having a little harder time with the productivity because when you change it's not scalable the product yeah um and then we have another one who started a little bigger because of the guy's track record and just like they scale bigger, faster, and they're just crushing it. And it's like, it's really neat how something so simple in thought process can be so elaborate in fabrication and build so much around it in oh. that small community. I mean, you're talking about Asheville and I'm reading reading about bourbon and like how they're like selling and the marketing behind it and like where this stuff actually comes from and, and the labels and like yeah you're talking about something like simple like that's basically four ingredients uh, four ingredients in time and it becomes this elaborate like wholesale like massive like vision and what you're trying to what you're trying to sell like the image and stuff like that that's 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 where i'm at right now it's and like just exactly what you're talking about, like something that simple that can grow that that big. So cool, man. It's so cool. But nah, Asheville's definitely on the list, brother. But nah, Chris, man, truly appreciate your time. This is awesome stuff. And I I, I can't thank you enough for spending the time and, and being with us again, man. It's great to see you, and I'm glad you're doing awesome. 
<laughs> I appreciate it, Jay. Thanks for having me, bud. Yeah, man. Cheers. We'll be in touch soon. All right.